As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And welcome to Straight Out of Cobham, the Chelsea FC podcast from The Athletic. This week we're discussing clean sheets and away wins, a pair of upcoming home games. We'll answer your questions and round up the rest of the news in and around the club, all in the company of The Athletic's Chelsea experts. Available for free wherever you get your podcasts and ad-free on The Athletic, this is Straight Out of Cobham. Hello listener, hope you're doing well managing your minutes in the dumpster fire that is 2020. I'm Matt Davis-Adams. Every week, me and the Athletics' Chelsea Japs convene to discuss all the latest Blues news. Uh, Having blown us away with his cheeriness last week, we're all on tenterhooks to see how Simon Johnson kicks off today's show. Hello, Simon. Hello. (laughs) Very good. Uh, Liam Toomey also joins us. Hello. I know the listeners can't see us, but we're in a 4-3-3 formation today. (laughs) (laughs) It's proven very successful. Dominic Fifield's also on board. Hi, Dom. Am I the holding midfielder? (laughs) Always. Let's get started. Our first port of call is Saturday's win at Burnley. Free and easy for Chelsea in the northwest on Saturday. The Blues recording a fourth clean sheet and leaving with three points, courtesy of goals from Hakim Ziyech, Kurt Zuma and Timo Werner. Uh, so 11 games played this season, only one defeat. Um, Dom, has this past week really shifted perceptions of, of Chelsea's start to the season, do you think? Superficially, perhaps. But I, I think when we were talking about it a few weeks back, we we, we suggested that they that they needed to show some demonstrate some solidity in the two sort of vaguely daunting fixtures coming up, which were Sevilla and, and Manchester United, which they then did with clean sheets in both. And then when we spoke last week, it was like, well, now they need to impose some attacking flair and, and to demonstrate that they can they can take teams apart and, and dismantle opponents. And, and they've done exactly that as well with Krasnodar and, and, and Burnley. And, and now now when you look at the the run of 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 games um from the start of the season it's it's the solitary defeat against against liverpool in the in that first home game of of term and then and a defeat on penalties in the in the league cup which you know again one all at 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 tottenham isn't actually a bad result from from 90 minutes play so yes it 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 looks better on paper but it's about maintaining momentum now that this run of games that we discussed until 
Chelsea play Spurs at the end of, of November, they need to, to keep picking up these victories. They need to beat the Wrens home and away. They need to beat Sheffield United at home and, New, and win at Newcastle. And then then they've got real momentum. And suddenly you look at the at a, at a, a strange-looking Premier League table with a, opportunities all over the place and, and, and Chelsea very much in contention. Uh, here's a tweet from Manu who asks, will Lampard still use the 4-3-3 going ahead or will we actually see 4-2-3-1 more in play this season? Liam, you've written something on formations for The Athletic. Yeah, my match piece was specifically on the 4-3-3 um, because it worked exceptionally well. Lampard kind of teased after the Krasnodar game that he wanted to take a look at it in bigger minutes. So it wasn't a surprise to see him start with it at Turf Moor. And the balance to, to Chelsea's play, I think, was better than arguably at any time in, in Lampard's tenure, I think. Um, ben Chilwell and Reese James were two of the most attacking players on the pitch, but it didn't compromise them defensively because of the security that N'Golo Kante gave to the defence in that deepest midfield position, the presence of Thiago Silva next to Kurt Zuma in that back line. Um, the fact that Kante doesn't progress the ball brilliantly, perhaps as well as Jorginho or Kovacic, didn't matter so much with Mason Mount, who I thought was magnificent, and Kai Havertz either side of him uh, being a bit more expansive. And then you had Timo Werner and Hakim Ziyech, pretty much the functional points of Chelsea's attack with Tammy Abraham almost a false nine. Uh, he dropped so deep to link play and I think did a really selfless job for the team uh, and and overall it was just a really complete Chelsea performance and that, those were the words that, that Lampard used afterwards and I, I think given the emphatic nature of the, the result and, and all aspects of their play it really wouldn't surprise me now if Lampard decides to make this the team's default setting going forward. And yet another clean sheet, although this one may be as much down to Burnley's ineptitude in front of goal as it was Chelsea's defensive solidity. But no denying that the brilliant start that Edouard Mendy's had, one goal conceded in his six Chelsea appearances versus Kepa's 14 in his last six Chelsea games. Um, Simon, is, is he better than we expected, Mendy? I think you have to say yes, just in terms of no one expected him to make this kind of impact this kind of level of positive impact so soon. It's not just down to him. Um, I think Thiago Silva's been absolutely massive um, in front of him as well, just to give that reassuring presence. But it, the contrast in 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 the whenever a shot or a cross comes in on, in Chelsea's area, that there's just a different feel about it. He, he he's such so much more of a commanding presence, and Chelsea is certainly. Um, reaping the benefits of this you know look as the stat has come out you know this is the first keeper since Petr Cech to keep clean sheets in his first three league starts I mean it's 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 very very impressive stuff early days you sort of feel like you don't want to talk him up too much and don't want to put the mockers on him um but definitely shot stopping is good he's he's coming for crosses is good his decision making is good the only thing that that has caused a bit of alarm was that that weird pass that he attempted at Old Trafford that could have led to a rather embarrassing own goal. But apart from that, I, I don't think he's put a foot wrong. Uh, you mentioned Mason Mount, Liam, in a slightly adjusted position for him. I spoke to him post-match with Chelsea TV and he said that that is his position. Would you agree with that? Yeah, definitely. And you you can see that from, from the way he approached it. I think it's the position that allows him to show the full range of what he can do for a team. We we all know that he he's excellent at leading the press. Um, he's good. In, he's a, a pretty good decision maker in possession. 
um, even if maybe his decisions in the final third can can be improved a little bit. And he's he does the defensive side really well. He's got a very complete skill set mount for a, for a player so young, and I think that's really suited to a three man midfield. Where as good as Kante is, he does need the two midfielders either side of him to to help him and provide some of that energy and protection. He was arguably the best player on the pitch for Chelsea in, against Burnley. Here's a question from Vivek, which I'll put to you, Dom. When I first read this, I raised an eyebrow, but but actually maybe it's legit. Uh, they ask. Is Zuma Thiago Silva the best centre back partnership in the Premier League currently? At Manny adding, how important has Thiago Silva been next to Zuma? Big uh, in sensational form at the moment. What do you think? A few weeks ago, we would have scoffed at the suggestion, but actually, when you look at it and 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 look at how Chelsea's defensive unit has been transformed, and and indeed, you know how they've been performing has been transformed um, over recent weeks. It does appear to have the right combinations. I think, I think Zuma Zuma's game is definitely improved having somebody as experienced as Thiago Silva at his side. I mean, it must inspire you with confidence. You've got a player there that was playing in the blooming Champions League final a couple of months back uh, alongside you. Um, you're not asking Kurt Zuma to be the senior player in that back line um, in the centre of the centre of that defence. Um, so it must be a benefit uh, anything any little aspects of the game any little um hints or or tips or even just just watching Thiago Silva play will benefit Kurt Zuma's continued development in that role and he, look it's it does feel the right combination there's there's, there's an abrasiveness to it there's a there's an organization to it now that, that Thiago is is dictating things I mean Zuma's done it at both ends of the pitch recently um that was a booming header to to put Chelsea two up at, at Turf Moor and in a in a in a season where it's been wildly unpredictable how, how teams have defended Chelsea in the last few weeks have struck upon a consistency and actually where where are the other combinations that would challenge them as as the best in the country that they're not many out there I did a piece with Sol Campbell a few weeks back, and he was he was bemoaning the fact that Virgil Van Dijk's pretty much the, the the only amazing defender, central defender in the Premier League at present, and that was before Thiago Silva really imposed himself on the division. But you know, Virgil Van Dijk's out for the season. Omerick Laporte isn't playing very often for for Manchester City for various different reasons, and you actually look at it, and Thiago Silva and Kurt Zuma suddenly seems like a a proper partnership that, that could, the solid base upon which Chelsea could mount a, a surprising challenge. Uh, the only sour note from Saturday, the sensation, as Frank Lampard called it, that Christian Pulisic felt in his hamstring, meaning he was withdrawn from the starting lineup just before kickoff. Uh, here's Kyle asking, how worrying are these hamstring injuries to Pulisic, or is it a case of the condensed nature of post-lockdown football? Should we expect more of these types of injuries? I think the answer to that last bit is yes. But, Simon, it is a concern that, that Pulisic's hamstrings seem to be susceptible to, to injury for, for a player who, whose game is based, at least in some part, on, on his blistering pace. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's um, he, d- he only played half a season last season. A delayed start to this season because of the injury picked up in the cup final. Um had only made a couple of appearances and you could tell he was just working his way back to 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 his form, to his fitness, his match fitness. Um, and so for him to have some kind of discomfort ahead of the Burnley kickoff was is a significant setback, and not just for him, but for Chelsea, because as we saw um, after 
project restart got underway, he was Chelsea's best player. Um, and you sort of think Pulisic in that kind of form, um, with, with Ziyech now on the other flank and, and Werner or Abraham in the middle, etc. You just think, oh, what, what a what a front three that would be. But um, I've been told that he's having a scan on Monday. Um, by the time this comes out, we may have heard the severity of it, but um, it's a little bit of uh, a concern for sure that, that once again, Chelsea are going to be sort of having to play the waiting game. Because the thing is, is if you're Frank Lampard, you, you're naturally going to be thinking, oh, well, I better leave it a few weeks before bringing him back in again to make sure he's 100% right. Because the last thing he wants is for... Pulisic to come back and break down again so it's um it's not ideal by any means on the plus side the international break's coming up so maybe um that those few weeks he, w- he won't go away with America and and uh and he'll get to rest up instead yeah and that would do him some good one would assume okay next stop for us today the Champions League this episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra the official beer sponsor of the NBA want to get closer to the game than ever before Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. So, since we last met, Chelsea enjoyed a comfortable win in Krasnodar, beating the Russian side 4-0, meaning the Blues sit atop Group E ahead of Match Day 3. Match Day 3 already. Uh, that's the <laughs> first part of the doubleheader against Wren. Uh, Roman Abramovich at the Krasnodar game. Here's David asking, great to see Roman midweek, but what are the pod's thoughts on him not meeting with Frank since becoming manager? Seemed like a perfect opportunity. Uh, Liam, is is there anything we should be reading into this? No, I don't think so. Chelsea's general approach to these European away trips at the best of times is to to try and get in and out of, of the city as quickly as possible around the game. And Chelsea knew they had a long flight home and a, and, a, and a big game to prepare for against Burnley. So I don't think it's too much to worry about. You know, Lampard has spoken to Abramovich since he took over Chelsea, but his main point of contact is Marina Granovskaya. She's the one making the the day-to-day decisions on the football side of the club. So that really for the regular functioning of Chelsea is uh, is the most important relationship. And I think the, the signs are at the moment that it's working pretty well. Just one thing I, I sort of heard about it was that um, Roman did turn up to the team hotel before the game, I think it was, and and sort of uh, he didn't really address the squad though. He just he was sort of like acknowledged them <laughs> and then carried on doing whatever he was up to. So I I, I get the impression that perhaps he he, he was not wanting to be centre of attention anyway, um, or not get too involved um, in what was going on. That he didn't want to get in the way. I just think it's very encouraging that that he went to uh, the effort and showed that enthusiasm to be at a Chelsea game again anyway, because I think that's the first time since the Europa League final. So um, I think it should be just seen as a positive, regardless of whether he spoke to Lampard or not. So that was Krasnodar, pretty simple as it turned out. Wren next up then at Stamford Bridge on Wednesday. Uh, Dom, we mentioned last week your piece about the French team. Other than Eduardo Camavinga, who seems to get most of the headlines, is there anybody else we should be looking out for? Well, they, they spent a club record fee on on young Doku uh, from Anderlecht in the summer um, for about €25 million, Euros, I think it was. Um, a bit of a, a late pursuit because they lost Rafinha to Leeds. Leeds um, came in quite late in the window for him and he expressed a desire to, to go and try his hand in the Premier League. So 
they they pushed the boat out really. Doku was a a player that had he'd scored I think for against ice for Belgium against Iceland in the Nations League and sort of that was that had served to showcase his potential um, and. Stad Rene had, had tracked him for a while and just took the plunge on it. I think a few clubs had, were very, very aware of his talent. Liverpool had him at Melwood and Anfield as a 15-year-old. You had Jurgen Klopp and Sadio Mane um, showing him around the, the training ground and stadium in an attempt to sort of butter him up ahead of a, a potential move to Merseyside. But he's he's ended up in, in Ligue 1. He's still sort of finding his way... In, in that league and and which is obviously a, a step up from the Belgian league um, but I think he will pose a threat um, in time I don't know whether it's probably too early to expect him to to set the the world alight at Stamford Bridge this week but they've got a few they've got some pace they've got some aggression Guirassi uh, came in from earlier this season I think it was from Angers for, a, for about 13 14 million euros and he, he's an aggressive forward who, who who might stretch Chelsea slightly but this is very much a team that's inexperienced at this level and they've got two players in their squad with some Champions League experience prior to this season one of whom Regani who's on loan from Milan I think is um, he's a doubt uh, injury wise for this week and um, the other Terrier was at was at Lyon um, and never really set the world alight on there there either so it's it's very, very inexperienced. They're still bringing, adapting to, to life without Edouard Mondi at the back. Um, Gomi has come in now and is, is playing for them. He came in from Dijon over the summer as part of this spending spree. Um, so, look, it's it's an opportunity actually for Chelsea, really, to, to maintain momentum in the group. I can't see Stagane competing for anything other than third place in the section. Um, and they'll be looking to... To gain experience by coming to London and 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 play in this in this match, and but you know other than a bit of pace and aggression up front, they they should be easily beatable. If you want more on Ren, you can read Dom's primer on the Athletic. If you aren't currently a subscriber, you can become one for just a pound a week by taking advantage of a limited time introductory offer. Visit theathletic.com/slash/chelseapod to read all the guys' fantastic work on the site, and of course get ad-free podcasts. Uh, Liam, given what Dom's just told us, this ought to be another win then. You think if Chelsea can get four or, or preferably six points from this doubleheader, then that would be enough to get them through to the knockout stages? That's got to be the aim. I mean, when you looked at the match day one result, the, the draw between Ren and Krasnodar, I think the, the big takeaway from that should have been that that both of those teams were ripe for the taking for, for a team with the, the talent and, and resources of Chelsea. So... They're in a they're in a good position now. They they took care of business in Russia, uh, which was you know maybe the toughest logistical trip if nothing else. Um, and now now they've got a, a relatively clean path I think to to qualification from the group. But six points from these two games are important if they want to talk about topping the group. And we saw last season how important topping the group can be because if you don't, you get Bayern Munich in the round of sixteen. <laughs> Can I interject here, just 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 ahead of all the uh, the complainants at the, at the pass? Uh, Daniel Rugani came from Juventus on loan, and and uh, Serhu Guirassi came from Amiens, not Angers. Apologies. That's fine. A- anything to get some more of your French pronunciations into the pod is, is good. <laughs> um, Simon, are you thinking in terms of team selection that, that it's going to be similar to what we saw against Krasnodar? So, so people like Hudson Adoy, Aspilicueta, maybe even the lesser spotted uh, Kovacic coming back into the team for this one? 
I'm a bit hurt you haven't asked my uh, French pronunciations, but yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, I think I think there will be room for a bit of rotation. Yes, um, and it makes sense um, just to, but it won't be crazy rotation. Um, I, I can't see Frank wanting to to uh, upset the the first team too much because he knows, as, as sort of Liam intimated, that these couple of games against Ren back-to-back and, and then Chelsea are through. And then, then he can pretty much rotate for the last two dead rubbers, as it were, um, with a lot more abandon and, and really give everyone a go. So, yeah, I think a few key positions, um, like Azpilicueta getting a game. It's noticeable how him and Rhys James seem to be uh, the most rotated. I wouldn't have thought Chilwell would be rotated because um, he seems to be starting every every game. Silver might get a rest um, potentially, although there's no issue with travelling this time around, unlike Krasnodar. Um, but yeah, I, I think if if you're Hudson Adoy, you'd be certainly looking for that opportunity to start with with Pulisic. Um, the doubt over his injury, um, but yeah, just a few changes, but go for those three points and then perhaps bring players off, just as we saw against Krasnodar. Well, that game kicks off at eight o'clock on Wednesday at Stamford Bridge. Next, we'll turn our attention back to the Premier League. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX's Welcome to Wrexham premieres May 2nd on FX. Stream on Hulu. Crikey, it's a relentless season. Two games a week, the new normal for Chelsea this term. The next Premier League assignment sees Sheffield United visit Stamford Bridge on Saturday tea time. This one of those sticky home games for Frank Lampard last season. Chelsea 2-0 up at half-time thanks to the Tammy Abraham brace, but let it slip to draw 2-2. Uh, you might remember the consternation in the stands when Lampard brought Billy Gilmore off the bench for his Premier League debut. Um, Liam, this is a different Sheffield United though. Rotten start to the season for them. Just one point from their opening seven. Last term it was all about the overlapping centre-backs. Do you think that that maybe they've been found out a little bit? I think there could be an element of that and I I say that with the caveat of not having watched Sheffield United every week so I I don't know if opponents have have tailored their own approach too much to, to what Sheffield United are doing but it's it's certainly true that they had a very particular very unusual tactical setup last season that that threw quite a few of the teams they played for for a bit of a loop it certainly did Chelsea twice but they they were already tailing off uh, slightly worryingly even when the Premier League resumed uh, in the final stretch of last season and and I think that the big concern for for Sheffield United fans has to be that that has just continued and if anything worsened this year. They've already got one of their defenders, Jack O'Connell, um, out for quite a while. So that things have already been disrupted for them there. 
Ampadu has started the last two games, which is promising from Chelsea's point of view from from a loan. But obviously he can't play against his parent club, so that's that necessitates another change for them. And they've always struggled for goals. Um, and and Ryan Brewster is still kind of finding his way in the Premier League. So that this is a game that Chelsea should go into with a lot of confidence, particularly the way that they've played in attack in the last couple of games. Simon Lim mentioned Ethan Ampadu there. That leads us on to the obligatory Declan Rice question. It comes from <laughs> Huzain, uh, who says, are we still interested in Rice when we have Ampadu? News of that on The Athletic on Monday morning. Yeah, I, I'm officially the Declan Rice correspondent. It's going to put out our West Ham correspondent a bit. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Well, no, it just it just feels like I've written about Declan quite a few times. Um, I'm sure Rashane is uh, tired of it, tired of it as well. Um, but um, but yes, no, Chelsea, their their interest hasn't gone away, um, and and why would it? it? What I've been informed of is that. Whilst no official bid was made in the last window, it was it was only because, of course, they spent an awful lot of money, and the key was getting players out in terms of um, raising revenue, and that so it wasn't a case of old Chelsea decided against selling him, it was uh, signing him rather. It was because they couldn't get the the money together. So yes, of course, it just means the next window they will try and make another move for him. There, there are players. That are in that squad that are that are clearly um, not first team untouchables. So there are players that they can get rid of. The question is, of course, it's the January market. We saw in the saw in the last window that Chelsea really struggled to get rid of players. So there is that there is that concern of whether they whether the history will repeat itself um, and they can't get rid of the players they need to, but. Make no mistake about it, Chelsea still want Declan Rice. They don't see Angola Kante as well as he played against Burnley as the holding midfielder to play there for good. They want someone that can sit in that defensive midfield and and pull the strings, and that's what Declan Rice is going to do. So watch this space. Yeah, watch this space and do tweet Simon on an hourly basis to ask him if there's any update. Um, back to Saturday's game, Dom. Frank Lampard's only won one of four managerial meetings with Chris Wilder. And that was way back in, in 2018 with Derby. How much do you think that, that Lampard's developed as a coach since that, that 3-0 humbling at Bramall Lane post-restart? That's an interesting question. It's He's obviously got new bodies in that team now. That might, that might have been a formative occasion in terms of where he thought the team needed to strengthen and where he needed to to prioritise uh, new signings over the summer. Um, I mean, Chelsea don't look like a side that's going to implode anymore when they've got this, when they have this this set up with, I mentioned before, with, with Thiago um, in, in the back line and Mondi in goal. There's there's more structure to it, more, more solidity there. Um, so I, I guess, I think... It's difficult to judge whether that's a coaching thing. He just has better players at his disposal now um, in key areas of the team or players at least who are playing with a lot more confidence than, than some of the guys that, that, that subsided so badly at, at Bramall Lane. Um, I, I, don't, the, the, I think this will be a test of him again. I, I know Sheffield United's results have been dreadful all season. A solitary point from, from seven games is pretty miserable reading, but they're not getting... They're not getting hammered in matches. Away at Liverpool, they they held their own for for a, a long spells in that in that match, and were you could argue quite unfortunate in in at, at times. Likewise, at home to Manchester City, 
this weekend. They only lose one nil, and you know they're testing City again at times. They just need to find some kind of rhythm up front, and 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 they need their forwards, and they have a lot of them um, to start firing. They need to maybe they need to find the right combination up top, and you just hope they don't stumble across that um, at Stamford Bridge at the weekend. I I imagine that that they're being quite realistic about it all and looking further ahead when they've got games against West Ham and West Brom um, in, in, the, in the weeks to come where, where they might be targeting that those as, as potential opportunities to, to gain points because suddenly going to Chelsea does have a bit of a daunting feel to it the way that Chelsea have been playing in the last few weeks. Half past five UK time is the kickoff for that one on Saturday. Uh, elsewhere in Chelsea news, the under-18s made it through to the FA Youth Cup final. They might well have played it by the time you hear this. Uh, Ed Brand's boys beat Manchester United 1-0 at St George's Park on Friday, thanks to Norwegian Brian Fia-Bamer's goal. Sets up a showdown with Manchester City for the fourth time since 2015 in the Youth Cup final. Uh, should Chelsea be successful, the local Manchester United's record of having won the most prestigious tournament in British youth football 10 times... Uh, Simon, you watched the semi. Who who stood out for you in a Chelsea shirt? Yeah, you're right, Matt. There were quite a few um, outstanding performances, I thought. Uh, Livermento at the right back. Tino Andrian just looks an absolute colossus at this level. Um, and I can't wait to see him hopefully get a run out at some point in the first team. Um, what got me about that game was just how it stayed nil-nil for so long, particularly in the first half an hour, where Chelsea absolutely dominated and bossed it. Um, it was um, it was frightening to see see an, another sort of high quality academy dominate to that degree. I mean, United came back um, strongly and had a good period themselves, but I thought Chelsea were were the better team and deserved to go through. And we'll, we'll see what they can do in the final and see if they can match Man United's record of of ten youth cup wins. But um, as per usual, the the quality in the in the youth setup at Chelsea is is undeniable it's um it's remarkable the consistency how they replace these players and keep churning them out year after year hashtag by neil bath a pint uh, there's a piece up on the athletic now by kyle anchor about the youth cup which is well worth your attention uh, in terms of the women's team they're back in action on tuesday night they take on spurs in the continental cup it'll be the first match in nearly a month for emma hayes team due to international breaks and postponements it's the blues second game in the group stage of the competition they won last season you can see it live on chelseafc.com and the fifth standout though you will have to put up with me on commentary uh, the blues will then host everton on sunday seeking revenge for their fa cup quarterfinal defeat against the toffees in september Right, just about out of time for today. Before we go, though, let's hear what the chaps have been writing about for Athletic subscribers to peruse. Liam, we mentioned your piece on 433. What else is in the pipeline? Yeah, so that piece is up for Athletic subscribers to read right now, but um, I'll be working on a piece about Chelsea's latest dominant youth team, uh, regardless of how the FA Youth Cup final goes for them. It's just another remarkable run of success for them. I'm also working on longer-term pieces on... uh, Ben Chilwell, Callum Hudson-Odoi. Also, a piece for a blitz that we're running next week um, on what's it like to play for Chelsea women. Nice, looking forward to that. How about you, Dom? Uh, I'm also taking part in that that blitz for next week. On um, I'm going to do something on what it's like to be a press officer at a club, something I have very brief experience of, uh, very, very brief experience of, and something that I probably wouldn't ever want to go back to. Um, and for various other things. I'm doing a piece on one of the more, most controversial transfers to take place in in Premier League history as well, which um, is going to take a bit of research, but uh, it was progressing slowly in the, in the background. 
Simon, that Ratty Alex Zidzi piece you mentioned last week, um, absolute must-read stuff for anyone who missed it. What, what else have you got in the pipeline? Well, I'm um, writing a piece which, um, again, depending when this podcast comes out, that you'll be seeing shortly. It's it's delving into uh, what has changed about Chelsea's defensive record. Why has why it suddenly gone from uh, the ridiculous to the sublime? Five clean sheets, six games, etc. So I'm trying to delve into... What exactly has changed? Is it as simple as just um, the the personnel or is there a bit more to it than that? Good stuff. Go and get stuck into that. Remember, if you're not currently an Athletic subscriber, you can sign up for just a pound a week by going to theathletic.com slash Chelsea pod. That's just about it for today. Thanks for your company, listener. We'll be here throughout lockdown too, bringing you all the best Chelsea coverage. Until next time, from Dom, Liam, Simon, producer Adonis and myself, it's bye for now. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.